Welcome to another episode of The Art of Outreach. My name is Mike Mitchell, and I am the art director of Mount Pleasant Schools in historically rural Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. I'm also the director of community outreach for the Tennessee Art Education Association. We have a guest today from Fayetteville High School, Rebecca Bianucci. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. So real quick, tell us about uh, Fayetteville High School, where it is, and then how many students you serve as their art teacher. Okay, so Fayetteville High School is like a rural area. It's 30 minutes out from Alabama. Typically, people will drive through it, but not really stop at it. It has a very Hallmark hometown feel. Um, uh, I serve about 100 kids uh, per year. So the Fayetteville Chamber of Commerce is pretty excited about the way you just talked about their town. So that's pretty cool. I'll make sure and tag them in the uh, in the podcast. <laughs> tell They're me, probably all like super excited. <laughs> tell me a little bit about why art education. You could spend your time, talent, and treasure anywhere, um, in any field. You've chosen art education in right now a rural area in Tennessee. So why art education? So you knew from the beginning, so you were grew up in, from our pre-interview, I found out you grew up near Chattanooga. Okay. What made you head to Tennessee Tech? She knew, you knew, that though you wanted to be, you knew you wanted to be an art teacher, you guys also both knew you're interested in a studio practice or a creative practice in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. 
Yes. And so tech made a lot of sense because they had the the craft school, but also they had this established art education program. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and move into that. That you know you're teaching about about a hundred kids, nine through twelve. They see you as you know, and one of the few art professionals, at least right now in their life that they know, why is it important for you to have that studio practice or creative practice? And, and then talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm a very material-based class. Um, I, I personally enjoy learning through doing and by creating. My uh, focus concentration is in ceramics, which I fell in love with because it's very hands-on based. And um, I wanted my kids to enjoy that as much as I do. And my most uh, unruly kids, or as I call it, my best kids, um, because they're the ones that want to be doing, and they want to be creating, and they want to be full in. And I found that there's a huge outlet for that with art, and they love that. And they get excited about that. So I love basing my classroom about material ex like experience and like uh, learning through doing rather than me just like sitting up there and being like oh this is how you do it um or like making them write papers like they're not gonna learn through me just saying they're gonna have to learn through creating those memories with art so I really found that to be like my favorite part of teaching is them learning through learning the new materials and so you found like like yourself they're kinesthetic learners they need to feel touch smell that and so you just knew so I'm, I'm hearing you say that it's your own understanding of your need for a studio practice that actually informs your classroom of going like well if I need this likely they need that I want to dig in a little bit so how long have you been teaching this is so as a second year teacher, that seems pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty wise that you've arrived at this thing that people who I value and think are great teachers just know, which is that, and I'm going to use your words, you said your unruly kids, or as you call them, your best kids. How did you, how did you get to that spot so quickly when it takes many of us a little longer to understand that the kids who are not necessarily the easiest often are the ones who become our favorites because they remind us of ourselves or they remind us of that kind of energy of needing to like how did you get to that spot well personally and myself i fully believe in giving multiple chances regardless i will keep on giving you multiple chances and a chance to redeem yourself so that in place as well as having a my first year probably like well known throughout the school being the worst kid there like he was constantly going through ISS he was constantly getting in trouble but as soon as you gave him like I found of like just pain to work with he would just sit down and just be like what are we doing what are I'm so excited like let's go and I'm just like holy smokes it was just like a light switch and so I've really found and I have another one just like that this year that they're very much a give me something to do and I will accomplish it and it's it makes me happy to see like a kid that a lot of the other teachers not scolding my other teachers because 
I love my coworkers so stinking much. They're the most supportive people I have. Um, that they're the ones that like they don't want to have to deal with him, and I don't blame them. But they are just—it gives them a shot for a future that I think that's possible for them. So one of the things you talked about was multiple chances. I can't remember who who invited me to consider the idea of game theory in, in relationship to your classroom and that when we play games, when you defeat a boss, you just move to the next level of the game. Okay. It doesn't say, well, Rebecca, it took you 500 tries. Like, you know, I guess you can go to the next one. It just goes, congratulations, you got to the next level. It also, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, Edison and, you know, it took him 10,000 tries to figure out the battery that he was working on. 10,000 attempts, right? And so I think that becoming a kid, like becoming an adult in the world is, is, is even harder than figuring out how to become a battery, you know? And so, like, of course, it's going to take a few, a, few, a few tries. And so to, to that idea of, like, understanding that kids need an absolute, like, endless, bottomless pit of chances, um, you know, especially with, like, inside of school, inside of a safe place where it, it, it isn't harming anyone, right? Like, you know, we, of course we don't want them to have 10,000 chances with things of, like, you know, breaking into my car, but, like, you know, as far as, like, getting figuring out how school works and figuring out how, you know, to kind of get these things right and you know, in building relationships and, and figuring out these kinds of ways. I think I love that idea of, again, I think that that's really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that in your second year, you're already in those spots of learning, of learning how to do that. I always take it in my own view of like, I would want multiple shots. And I, I tell the kids, like, I, I make this very, very clear. I had a work to get into the education program because I have a crazy, insane mind for art, but my sit down, do testing to get it done is like minute. <laughs> and um, I had to take the ACT seven times in order to get the score that I needed to get into the education program at Tennessee Tech. Wow. And like, I make that very clear to my kids. It's like, I'm here now. Like, don't take your first test as, like, the end all of your entire existence. Like, keep trying. I'll be here and support you the entire way. And also, I make it very clear that I'm their number one supporter. Like, I will fight for you. And I make sure that they know that they've always got someone on their team trying to do what's best for them and help them out. So, I want to talk a little bit about that tenacity, about taking the test seven times and then kind of connect that to like your love of clay like the ability to fail forward seems to be absolutely like inextric inextricably connected to like having a practice with clay oh yeah and so talk a little bit about like your when you're making clay are you doing slab stuff are you hand building stuff are you using the wheel like what does that look like because i'm just it just that made me curious about that tenacity and like that's something that I don't have in relationship to clay. I have tenacity in other parts of my life, but in <laughs> clay, specifically with the wheel, I also need to revisit that because I was a kid the last time I tried it. But talk a little bit about that. Well, I do a combination of wheel and clay. Um, 
wheel and hand building along with it because I like to manipulate my clay but make a base with uh, throwing it on the wheel. Now it's been a while since I've been in the clay studio because I'm still working, looking for a studio which I located one then um, the world collapsed <laughs> whenever I found it so I was like oh man so I have clay in the back of my car right now it's just waiting to be used but um Whenever I first started throwing, oh my gosh, I don't know how many tries it took. I want to say, like, probably about, like, in the hundreds of just, like, literally sitting down and just trying over and over and over again just to make a cylinder. And, I, like, it was not clicking, and it was just, like, I was, like, determined because this is what I love. I still enjoy it, but I was going to get it eventually, and I was just... It took 300 tries, probably, to get to the point that I am right now, and that's awesome. So, that idea of failure being part of the deal, right, when you're mm -hmm. learning, seems to be, for me, such an important lesson for high schoolers. I don't know why we don't tell them this more. But it sounds like it sounds like you are doing that, and you are like kind of really letting them know, like, hey, um, I think that we have culturally, I think that we have stigmatized failure in a way, like in such a dramatic way. I think social media doesn't help that these kids that we're serving. Um, by the way, I'm not sure if you know this, but you no longer will serve a student where 9/11 was part of their life, like it will, you will only serve kids that it was a historical event, which seems bananas to me. Um, I, I had that real thing when I was a kid and I was like, oh, people were born in the 2000s, oh my God. Yeah. But so failure for this generation of kids has been stigmatized even more so than it was for you and certainly more than it was for me. I mean, I could fall down the steps at my high school and six people left. Yeah. And then by the, by the next day it was gone, right? It certainly wasn't put on social media and become a meme of, you know, but I think even inside of just like regular things like working on paintings, you know, um, and because failure has become stigmatized, kids' ability, like their, you know, what is it, their, their stamina for like trying is lower too, right? Like they, they're, because they, they're not, you know, that, that ability to try 300 times how does that play out in your classroom when you're working with kids? So you have you teach ninth through twelfth graders. So I'm assuming too that you might get kids who either transfer in or who didn't have necessarily uh, the same arts background because of whatever middle school program they went through. Um, and you know, like in our county, you can get through. Fifth grade, you have to be in art for visual art for nine weeks. But then after that, you might not be in it. You might be in band. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden, you the last time you were doing art, you were. And so you, then you're positioning a kid to make a painting. And they already know what a painting means in their head. A painting is something that's representational. It's pretty. It's something you can hang on their wall. Like, how do you push past those failures with your kids? Well, that was like my first year teaching because I had, um, I did not have any of the kids. I had four art one classes, so those were all new kids that mold and shape however I want. Then I had art two and AP class that separated into 2D and 
sense to the previous teacher or anything, but she did make them write essays a lot in art, which I, it makes my heart hurt so, so much. Although my boyfriend's an English teacher and he was like, oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I was like, no, don't support it. <laughs> so I had a little hard time of like instilling in them of like, it's all about the process, not your product. That, and also, how easy it is to start over and retry again. Um, I always say, like, very frequently in the class is, like, what's wor the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to have to erase it. Oh, no, that's not the worst thing in the world that could happen to you. So you can restart. If you're not happy with it, restart. That's not a problem. Don't worry about it. And then I've made it very, very clear that my grading scale, half of it is participation. So if I see you in here and you're trying, you're trying to get an in product, I see you in here just like giving it your all, that's half of your grade right there. The rest of it, I can help you out with. But it all comes down to whether or not their motivation is there, that they're willing to give it a shot. And um, that's something that I can't necessarily teach, but I'm there to help them out, like motivate them as much as possible, like giving them words of aspiration, aspiration, <laughs> um, like um, words of appreciation and saying how wonderful they are, even if it's like they're not feeling like it's their best work. It, like it's the best work that you've done so far. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You can only go up from here. Sure. I think that growth mindset idea of we we don't i don't think we utilize that in the art classroom as much whereas we do with in math class or in english class because we can look at data um, and i don't think that we i don't think that we have a very good relationship with data in art classes and i think that if we could find a a little bit better one and one that makes sense in relationship to your classroom so i used to at at Father Ryan, when I was teaching high school there, we would draw their hand, and then I would give their hand a, a score on a one to five. And it was real specific what a one meant, what a two meant, what a three meant, what a four meant, what a five meant. And a lot of these kids were really varied, like what experience that they were coming in with art, because depending on what parochial school they went to, may or may not have had a strong visual art program. Okay. And I was like, look, your grade is based off of your baseline. Right, like it's not based off the person next to you's baseline, and it was a little bit more work, but it was interesting because it was a, a really uh, interesting way to look at data. I also could then report to my administrators when I got my team evaluation. That's one of those holes in a lot of art teachers' team evaluation is like, well, how are you using data? And I would show them a spreadsheet and be like, well, I've raised my drawing proficiency points from like by three per, you know. 35% and they'd be like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, how do you, how do you know that? And I would show them and they were like, oh, wow. And so it's, I love that what you were talking about, like, this is the best work you've made so far, right? Like you're, you know, that idea of like, I don't know how to do this yet, as opposed to, I just can't do it. It seems to be, um, I, I love what I'm hearing in that sense of encouraging kids um, to push past this. I always used to say, hey, you've got to be here for an hour anyway. You may as well be making something, right? Like. You know, as opposed to... I've used the phrase of, do you want five cents in your pocket or $20 right now? So why are you settling for five cents when you could have $20? Right. That's why I refer to whenever they're like, I don't want to really work. And I was like, right now you're...
were settling for that five cents when you could have twenty dollars. Right. That's a that's a, a great way to 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 frame that as well. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to to talk about too was like outreach. So you know, what are the kinds of things? So I know that you came from Tennessee Tech. I know that um, you know I've I'm starting to get to know Dr. Blair um, better and and know that the students that are coming out of his program, and I know it's not just his program, I know that there are other art history professors there as well, but that are coming out of Tech's program, um, kind of have that baked in, this idea of outreach. What does that look like in your classroom? Well, I have, I would say in the classroom-wise, it's very much of like simply just putting out their work and like also getting out on social media. I've been really, really trying to hammer in getting stuff up on social media because the kids want to see it and then it goes out to the community. Like I've told the kids that I want to get it out so much that if they Google their name, then their pieces will show up. That's why I want to have in the class. Now, my art club wise, which is really just jumped off this year, it's grown so big and it's gotten so far in the community this year. Um, they currently have um, a couple outreach projects that they're doing. So, well, one, first and foremost, they finished uh, something for the local community that was called the Host of Christmas Past. So, um, they it's a local festival that happens in Fayetteville where all the local vendors, local artists will come out and sell work that they've made it, so that you can purchase for Christmas. And my kids, we made a ornament station for kids to come in and make their own ornaments and so that they could have something for free that they could take home with them and feel bad about themselves. But the kids also, it was an opportunity for them to get familiar with selling their work as artists of like, how should I price it? Like, what do I look at? Like, with my community, what sounds better? And um, they had the opportunity for their first time of selling their own work and all money that they made. So I don't, I, I guess this happens very often, but they, all of my kids were asking, they were like, if I sell something, does it go to me? And I was like, yeah, like that's your project that you made. That's the money that goes straight back to you. And we're a tier one school. So a lot of those kids, like that's really important to them to know that like if they have a passion in art there's a possibility of being able to do that in the future as an adult and sell work and in total <laughs> i still can't get over this because i've participated in a lot of art shows in like high school growing forward like selling my own work um they sold about 200 dollars plus in work and I'm still like blown away because that's about like $15 plus per kid that participated. That's awesome. Like I, I can be more proud. But I think that speaks volumes to like the quality of stuff that the kids were producing. But also the community just like showed up and were like willing to buy this stuff. And they're like, oh, this goes straight to the kid. Absolutely, I'm gonna like take a look at this. And they were excited about it. So I feel like it was a combination of our location, Fayetteville, very much being supporting of small businesses and locals, and then also the kids just producing that work. I like that you had you found a place, even though you felt bad about like bullying the woman um, 
who was running by you when you were a kid. I like that you found a more appropriate place for your kids to be like, okay, so maybe you don't catch people off guard. Let's, let's find this. Yeah. So even though I love it that you did that, like no one would think twice if you were selling lemonade, they would just be like, Oh cool. But like the art thing, I'm probably, probably, I bet that she still talks about that, man. I wish I would have had money to buy that bracelet from that kid. But I love that you understand that, that how important it is to position kids to have like an authentic assessment, right? Does someone buy this or don't they buy it, right? And then if they do buy it, like what does that mean? If they don't buy it, what does that mean? And that, that that's this really safe place for, hey, you know what, they didn't buy it, that's okay. Like it doesn't mean that no one likes it. It just means that that person did not want to trade that amount of money for what, you know, you might find it in a different spot. Um, and I also love too this idea that you're encouraging them to, to realize is like that Fayetteville as a community, right? Like you talked about how it is a place that oftentimes people might drive through, but not necessarily stop there, but, and that you're from a larger place and that you came from Tennessee tech, but that you haven't, um, you know, I think a lot of times people come into small communities and they, um, they kind of oh so cute them you know, as opposed to like, hey, what is the art ecosystem like here? And where are the artists that exist? How can we become part of what art looks like for this community? And some of that might look like what's happening in Nashville, and some of it might look very different. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's worse than. It just means it's different than. And so I love that you're showing your kids like how to create a scene and how to build on a scene as well. So what has that been like for you as someone who's literally new to Fayetteville in the last two years, but is like yeah. diving into that art scene there? Well, I would say one, there's been a disconnect because we have two high schools. There's like some sort of long, like separation between the two of the town, not liking it. And like, so there was a separation between the two high schools, which as an artist, I'm like, why is there a separation? I was like, we can build an even, even stronger like arts program over all Fayetteville. I don't know why there needs to be two separate art programs when then we can make one. So I've, this year, moving forward, because last year was very much of like, oh, I'm new to this. I felt like I was thrown in because I didn't, like a lot of arts programs, they typically have two art teachers. I'm the only one in my school. So I was just going in there blind. So first year was very much of getting my footing. This year is like, okay, we're trying to make this thrive. So um, we're, I'm planning with the other art teacher right now of like a spring show together and like getting the other schools involved as well of like, we're trying to build up an arts program in Fayetteville, not just Fayetteville High School. And um, also like, I had the discussion with one of my kids at, after the sale, he was like, did I sell anything? And I, would, he, I was like, no. I'm genuinely surprised that you didn't. Let's talk about like what you can do moving forward of like presentation wise. Maybe we can do like some cool like print out some awesome like business cards. Cause it was like 3D printed like stuff. And I was like, this is cool. Mm -hmm. It's just, we can present it so much better. So it's a combination of being like, oh, I want to build up artisans within this entire country entire country yes but also the entire county <laughs> but um and also like building up like little entrepreneurs
I love that idea of talking with kids about that at, at the very beginning because I think that sometimes when you're a student, you can you can make the mistake of that thinking that because Fayetteville has an art community and supporters of arts in the community, that that means that your audience necessarily exists inside of Fayetteville. Because it's very possible that you might be an artist who will contribute to the scene in Fayetteville by supporting friends, by buying their work, by trading with them, but that your actual audience exists in North Dakota and that you're going to find your audience online through social media and through hashtags and through connecting with them. And that that doesn't mean that you aren't a valuable artist for Fayetteville just because someone's never bought your work in Fayetteville. And I just think that that's a, that's a really, really like subtle thing that, that takes a lot of people a long time. I know adults, I know that I wrestle with those things all of the time of like, man, I'm making work. And, you know, I thought someone might like that work and might want to buy that work and no one buys that work. It doesn't mean that no one wants to buy it. It just means I haven't found them yet. I haven't found the people and used to, you could live in Fayetteville and probably have that feeling and be like, man, no one's going to buy my work. You know, like I, I set up at the farmer's market and like no one buys my work and the person next to me sells their work and that's good work and mine must be bad work as opposed to, you know, that idea of like, oh, they make different work than I do. And we just, it just so happens that they happen to live inside of the geographic area that also like houses their, their audience who are going to trade for that. And and then sometimes you can do both of those things, right? So I love it that you're having those conversations of, with students, again, f for these authentic assessments of saying, all right, if you do want to sell to this community, let's look at what did sell. Again, we don't have great relationships with data inside of our art communities always, and I think that we can get better at that. And so you can say to a kid, hey, look what sold. This We're now three or four years in. This seems to be what sells. If you're comfortable making work, of your style inside of that, then I would encourage you to do this thing. If you're not, then let's figure out ways in which you can still package your stuff and still like get it together and you can be part, you can figure out a way to be part of this and help produce this festival in a different way and grow the festival for, for your friends. And so it's gonna take on more of like a kind of a curator role, which is kind of brings me to this point of, I love that you, so one of the things that I think is true everywhere, and a, a friend of mine in Florida, one day I was talking to him, I used to run this after school program, and I said something about, man, it's just like local small town politics, it's not real politics, and he looked at me and he said, listen, local politics are politics, like that is literally what politics are, like the, where it hits the, like where the rubber meets the road is like what you're talking about. He's like, don't get confused that politics means like at the state level or at the regional level or at the national level. I love that you came in and realized quickly like, oh, there are some local politics that I don't understand. Right? Oh, yeah. My boss warned me about it when I was interviewing for the job and I was like, okay, this is what we're going in for. And I'm like, I'm game to wrestle. Right. Not wrestling people, but like sure. wrestling the issue of like there shouldn't be a separation. Right. Or what you found was like, hey, here's a spot where that politics actually doesn't affect our ability to do that. And there are going to be there are going to be places in that community where there might not be a workaround. But what you realized was 
by reaching out, by communicating, by being empathetic, was that you reached out to the art teacher of the, what's the other school? Lincoln County High School, and the art teacher there is Jeannie uh, Rolls-Walter, and she is absolutely fantastic. She's doing an awesome job over there. And so, like, I love that idea of that you reached out to her and said, hey, did these politics affect me and you? And it sounds like she was like, nope, not a, not even a little bit. And so you were, and that idea of how several things like, so I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Like this idea that art therapy is real, right? Like, so just between like at a, at a individual level, like there are things that I, traumas that I might have and art might be doing art actually can kind of fix those. But then at like a, at a community level, this idea that you and Jeannie have said, we're not, we're not making judgments. What we're doing though, is we're going to do, we're going to show these kids that like, they are part of uh, this ecosystem, right? And then when you get out of high school, that matters less and less. And we're going to go ahead and just show them from the beginning, like we're actually going to be stronger together than we are separated. Y'all can continue to do what you want, right? About football and about all these other things. But like what we're going to do is from the art standpoint, we're going to show these kids that their ecosystem can double by just being connected to the people. So that's, that's pretty fascinating. How long has she been in her role? All right. Uh, I only reached out to her probably at the beginning of this year, but we haven't been able to meet in person. So it's all been through brief text. We plan on meeting and having a coffee talk eventually. She's been in here, been here for, I would say, well, granted, longer than I have. Right. Um, she's still very young as a teacher, but she's definitely been here long enough to like be well acquainted with the community. So. Uh I'm excited because I feel like a role that I can play there is just, I'm going to just reach out to her today and invite her to be on the podcast and say, hey, I got a really great shout out about your program from Rebecca and, and you know, like figure out how to do that. Because that, that's a thing that I'm, I'm fascinated about is the, is how being an art teacher in any given community, how often you are. A, a, a very central role in the kind of all caps art community if you're in a small town, right? Like Rebecca is the art teacher at Fayetteville High School. And so she knows she is the art expert in for a lot of people in that community. And that's not always the case. Like in Nashville, if you're an art teacher at the high school, you're the art teacher at that high school. And you may or may not have a larger footprint than that. It depends on, you know, how how active you are inside of the larger ecosystem, but the larger art ecosystem in Nashville kind of swallows that up. But where you all are, where Jeannie and where you are, that's not always true. You are the art teacher at, at Mount Pleasant, like Whitney Harrington is the art teacher. You know, she's the, she's the kind of art expert for that high school area. And Nicole and Liz are three of those people in that community that are seen as the art experts. And I just think that that's really interesting how, again, kind of, kind of circling back to outreach, right? Like this idea of that you could possibly subvert some of those, that trauma of that community 
through just reaching out and connecting to someone and saying, hey, let's let's have these kids make work together, right? Even if you yeah. did that in a like very friendly, competitive way, it would make sense, right? Like I used to I used to teach at a school and we had a uh, we had a rivalry, like a rivalry, quote unquote, that was kind of invented, but it was fun and but for football, right? And yeah. and I tried to get started a rivalry like on that same night of our football games to have the art departments like have like a kind of an art competition that we could then we could trade like the golden paintbrush for like whoever and you know you just have it set up where people could vote and because I just thought hey that would be fun let's get in there and let's yeah let's get in there and like let's position because what I wanted to do is have it be connected to the football game so you could then argue you couldn't argue. It would 100% for sure have been the case that that was the most people that would have ever looked at those kids work out of any gallery situation. And I was going to just have it like be at the front. And it just, it was just one of those things that, um, it was just that rivalry got more complicated than this was going to, this was going to throw kerosene on a fire as opposed to what you all are doing, which is, which is like trying to like douse the fire a little bit, you know, um, which is to say that's, you know, so it, it, it didn't end up happening in, in that way. Um, when you were in high school, you mentioned your art teacher. Okay. What are some other, so she sounds like she was really involved, at least with you, like that she was aware of where you wanted to go to school, had a specific, you know, uh, a specific interest in it, at least you checking out tech. What are some of those things that you got from her as like a, a mentor? Cause it sounds like you knew from, you knew going into her class, like you were paying attention in a way that many of us weren't like, I'm going to be paying attention to what she's doing. Cause I'm going to be doing what she's doing one day. So that idea of safety, that idea of, um, you know, providing a home away from home, you said you teach at a tier one school. Is that title one? Is that yeah. so? So for those of you listening, that means that uh, a large percentage of the population are living at or below the poverty level. Yeah. And we know um, that 
as a result of that, like those kids, their ACE scores are going to be often higher than, than uh, their counterparts in an environment. Not always, but, but that they can be higher. So you know that to their counterparts in a, in a, in a more you know, socioeconomically advantaged situation, right? They're, they're, those ACE scores are possibly going to be lower than. So you know that your kids are coming in likely with some trauma. And, and just kind of thinking about that, like art therapy as this real thing, right? This, this safe space. How much did that get talked about? How much of that did you just internalize and know, like, as a kid who, because I don't care. Like, I've, I've taught at the, one of the poorest schools in Nashville, and I've taught at one of the wealthiest schools in Nashville. And kids are kids are kids are kids. And there's trauma everywhere. Um, yes. But there is an awful lot of trauma in a, in, in a community that is... Um, that is, that has the to deal with poverty and racism and the effects of, you know, um, the kind of, you know, institutionalized racism and all of those things. Like, there's going to be a lot of a lot of poverty. I mean, there's going to be a lot of trauma in that situation. But, but kids are kids are kids, and there's trauma everywhere. Um, how much of that did you just get? from your teacher, like in understanding what it was like for you as a teenager. And man, that was so nice to, no matter how I felt about becoming a, you know, even though your mom was supportive, like there's still being a teenager is hard and becoming, you know, moving from that transition from like, uh, you know, a girl into a young woman, like that has got to be super stressful inside of in a high school situation. And then how much of that understanding of like, Hey, trauma's real, ACE scores, like how much of that is talked about at the at the Tennessee tech level of where they're encouraging that and the art therapy like kind of angle. Jeremy's definitely like has like pushed that narrative, not as like a, like something that we should like solely focus on, but it's a great outlet through art is like therapy. And, um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about like our school wise, but we had, uh, at least three kids at this point, I think within three years that have committed suicide. And um, I felt like such pressure as an art like teacher. I didn't have any of those kids, but like I have a majority of the kids that go through my program. I want to make sure that they know like this is a way that they can like help with coping, that they can feel safe. If like they needed someone to talk to, they can talk to me. And I made it very clear, I was like, one of my rules is whatever is said between in these four walls stays in these four walls. But if you're hurting yourself or others, it's going to be talked to someone else. And, like, I've made that very clear and honest with my kids. And that has created a narrative in my classroom of, like, you are safe in this classroom. And, again, I'm your number one supporter. I'm here to help you. And I will fight for you regardless of the situation. I don't want you to have to, like, fight for yourself. Like, I'm here to fight for you. And so I've made it clear to my kids, like, regardless of what the background is, like, I'm your champion. I will run into the fire. Like, I don't care what they say to me. Like, I care what they say to you. So I can take the, like, hits. But I don't want you to have to take the hits. Yeah, that's really powerful that you... You know, so many people um, shy away from that. So many people find themselves um, in, a, in, in those spots where they just... And, and I think a lot of that 
can often be just not having mentors, right? Not having um, a solid understanding of what it means to be a state mandated reporter when you walk into a classroom, right? Not understanding, um, but but a lot of people, um, for whatever reason, and I'm and I'm not, I'm really trying to, you know, like I'm not making that judgment. Is that you know some some people just deal with that differently, right? They you know and and they have a system and they send people to counselors and they follow through and they do those things. I mean, there's other people that kind of roll up their sleeves and really kind of dive in. Um, I have found that a lot of those folks are art teachers, right? And, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm curious about, like, not just in your situation, but it's just one of those curiosities that I think will last a long time for me is just is, is wondering what that is. Like, what is that, you know, and maybe asking you, what, what is it about us as artists that, that makes us be that for those kids? Like... You know, because I, I, I grew up, you know, cisgendered, white male um, in a world that's literally built for me. But as a as a professional, just have that exact same kind of fire that you have about like wanting to be protective of kids. Some of that for me is because I just realized the privilege that I've had and want to make sure that I'm um, trying to extend that to every kid, no matter what they look like, no matter how much money they've made, if they're rich or poor or black or white or trans or, um, you know, cisgendered, like whatever it is saying like, Hey, if you're having a struggle right now, I'm going to be, I'm going to champion you. Um, what do you think it is about us as art teachers that we find ourselves willing to run into that fire? Yeah, I think it. I think it's interestingly connected to that idea of what you said earlier about your unruly kids or your best kids. Um, whereas I think that, and I think I, I can help myself understand the conversation about you saying, "Hey, I don't want to poo-poo on my other colleagues." I think what it really comes down to is like an English class that is a tested subject and there's the pressure for that English teacher to make sure that this kid gets ACT. That unruly kid is a harder kid to deal with than in an art classroom where you can say, listen, man, 
Do you know about the, the idea that the, that the Mexican artists talk about with Duende and this idea that the darkness can become the source of being able to make a really cool painting? And the English teacher's like, yo, I'm out. Like, I have 50 minutes and I have stuff that I've got to get done. I don't have time to stop what I'm doing and delve into that and wade into that. Uh, like, the ability to, um, you know, spend a whole class period. Hey, y'all, everyone else with your pet, you know, do your thing. I see you over there. I'm gonna like focus on this kid. It's, 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 um, it's not apples to apples, right? And I think that that's that's a big part about you know if if any of your colleagues are listening is like us, you know, you and I both empathizing with them and understanding like, hey, we get it. Like part of why we run into the fire is we've got the time to run into the fire, right? Like we actually put on the fire fire person's outfit. Like we're we're like ready. We get it. You don't serve that role in our school. You can't run into the fire. You haven't. You don't have the time, energy, and resource to do that because you don't have a bucket of paint to put in front of them and a piece of clay to put in front of them. Like we're the fire. Like we're the fire department. Like we're like that's okay. And I think that's really kind of the first time. What's that? My boss at, at Mount Pleasant High School says leadership is the art of influence, and it sounds like that your boss is has influenced folks and probably lives that practice of being f friendly with and communicating across those lines and not establishing a, a clique that um, that is his 
favorite group, like he probably models that really well for everyone. And as you as a new teacher in Fayetteville, a place that you know and he knows has these kinds of old politics that go back and that he immediately has said, hey, you're here one year, two years. It doesn't matter. You're part of the family and I'm going to fight for you. Like you didn't have to earn that respect from him. Like he just you like loaned it until you could earn it, you know. So I think that's a really that sounds amazing. And it sounds like that a lot of that comes from the leadership team there and the veteran teachers of saying, hey, here's this new kid. Let's bring her in. Right. The basketball coach going, hey, you're going to have some of my players. I need to I need to be supportive of you because you're going to be supportive of me when I need something from you. And I think that many good schools have those relationships where um, where they don't look at they look at everyone there as adults who have chosen a different way in which they want to have conversations with kids about how to be successful. And they don't separate that um, how they do it from the why they do it. And it sounds like you all are really, really, really focused on the why you do it. You want to be a family. You want to connect with kids in Fayetteville and the, how you get, how you go about getting the why, whether you're the basketball coach or the art teacher or the math teacher, right? You're less focused on the how, but you're like constantly focused on the why. And the why is like, you want to position those kids to be successful moving forward in their life. And that, that's, that's really exciting. An hour has come and gone really quickly, but before we go, um, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, this podcast will probably get pushed out on my social media, um, a couple weeks from now, but you can share it starting today. It'll be on Spotify today. So you can go ahead and share it. So speaking of that, how do we find you on social media? You said that it's a big part of your practice. You encourage students. So where can, where can people find you? Okay. And I currently, I mainly post um, student work and getting student names out there. Um, I also co-own and run that uh, Instagram page with one of my art club members. members. So she is uh, also helping me out with like getting the word out there. And I wanted the kids to be involved with like getting their own social out there. And then uh, my own personal is, it's a weird, it's a weird name because I... I not too subtly trying to sneak on by by my kids <laughs> at phobic.mango <laughs> uh, on Instagram where I post my own pieces and uh, my own life but um, really focus on the Fayetteville Arts page and they also have a Facebook page that we run uh, it's Fayetteville High School Art page and uh, yeah all right, so to end our interview, I always talk to people about things they're grateful for. So we're going to start with an object and then move to a person and then a place. So what object are you currently grateful for? Oh, I'm, hmm. see, the thing is I'm not too materialistic, so this is the hard one for me. I would probably say the abundance of sketchbooks that I have because I just mindlessly write all the time I like journaling as like a coping so I always like write down my thoughts write down my process so I would say first and foremost object wise sketchbooks as an art teacher are my bread and butter so there is a place for you as an artist for writing it's just not making your kids do essays I got you alright now this one is I'm going to um, preface this with I'm sure that Rebecca is super grateful for all the people in her life 
um, all her friends and family, boyfriend, all of those people know just in their bones that you're grateful for them. But if you had to pick one, who, who are you grateful for right in this moment? Snaps. Happy birthday, Mom. Yeah, so obviously my biggest supporter in life has always been my mother, and I would always say, like, she's the reason why I became a teacher, and she's like, whenever I first went off to, like, move to Fayetteville, she hugged me and whispered in my ear, was, um, I'm, you're doing the exact thing that I did growing up. And she was like, we're, like, the same person, and I, I love her forever from that. And, um, I would say second, because I'm going to take two, would be my, because, uh, uh, I'm a rebel, <laughs> um, would be my, um, art teacher support group, which is Kelsey Kyle. She teaches at Wilson Central High School. And, um, um, Sarah Wiggins, who teaches all the way in Hamilton County in Chattanooga. And they both we've uh, graduated together through Tennessee Tech and through Jeremy Blair and we've kept in contact constantly since then and we'll like to share lessons share ideas if anything's happening in our school that we need support with we'll always like contact each other so they're awesome powerful women and we always like make sure that we're alright in our jobs and how about a place that you're grateful for That's, that's awesome. Um, well, I'm certainly grateful for how much you have found a home at Fayetteville. I think that that's really incredible. I know that your students are better because of it. I'm grateful for you that you have an administrator um, in Principal McCormick and, you know, these uh, Kelsey uh, and Sarah, who I'd love to get your contact information from. And, 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 and yeah. But so I'm, but I'm also just really grateful that you spent time um, today talking with us um, and that you were a guest on the podcast. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Art of Outreach. And please check out um, all the amazing work on Fayetteville.art Instagram page. Um, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs>